never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Hi guys, welcome back to my Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today, I'm so excited to have Nicole Smith with me. She is the founder of the Dignity Defense Institute. I let that sink in for you, Dignity Defense Institute. The moment I read that, I thought, no, I need to talk to this woman. What? I mean, the dignity is something that we take so either for granted or fight so hard for it. Um, and the Dignity Defense Institute, I thought, what is that? So uh, uh, what is that? Nicole, welcome to my show. Thank you for, for making this world a little bit better, one interview at a time, one story at a time. But now I'm all excited. Tell us more about yourself. Well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, well, Dignity Defense Institute sort of sprung out of many a life experience, as most good things do, I think. Um, I have a background in communications, a master's in law and public policy, and I have fought for dignity of life around the world uh, for over a decade now. So essentially, the idea is that um, if we're going to fight for human rights, the thing that powers the fight for human rights is the idea that we all are in possession of inherent worth um, that is uh, unable to be removed or added by uh, humanity. It's just foundational to all of us. So that's beautiful. Maybe let's define dignity. What is dignity? That is sort of a word that is sort of, most people probably can't, can't put a definition to it. How would you define it? Yeah, so dignity, a lot of times, it's actually, if you look at, there's a journey for this word, that uh, if way back when you would have said the man carries himself with dignity, or he's a dignified man, huh. it means that you hold a higher uh, status right. place right and so you and me and everyone else that are human hold this position of higher status so if we were to compare ourselves to a mere animal uh, as mark twain once said we're the only animal that blushes or needs to right we're in possession of conscience right and so that means that we sort of hold this higher echelon within the the mammalhood <laughs> of the animal king kingdom and so we all hold ourselves in that esteem and because we are dignified because we are in possession of that dignity and the inherency of that dignity that means that it's worthy of protection right so if someone is hurting because they have inherent value because they're so worthy of it we should fight for them are they hungry are they cold are they hurting in any way they have so much value that it's important that we take ourselves out of our own situation see their importance and and meet them right where they are if that makes sense very much so and I think that comes back, what, you know, 700,000, 500,000 years ago, when we were still living in tribes and caves. Um, it is, there was this, this inherent need to look after each other, because if you were ostracized, if you were thrown out of your tribe, that was a death sentence. You couldn't survive alone oh, yeah. in the cold. Mm -hmm. So therefore, those kind of things are hardwired. So if we accept that, that this is actually a logical way and that really nature has, has tried to force us, well, why the hell is the world now as broken as it is? Because you can't tell me that dignity still plays a role. Dignity that is, if at all, it becomes a cynical, yeah, right kind of thing for most of, of the countries where I look around. From civil rights uh, abuses to to civil war to to the issues, the many issues that plague our society, the tremendous yeah. amount of of domestic violence, the the femicides around the world. You you could talk for hours. Where the hell is the oh, dignity? Yeah. So why yeah. the hell have we developed this way? Yeah. Well, actually, it's uh, we kind of have this approach that the idea that. Someone that sees themselves with inherent value as being higher uh, will are more likely to see other people with the same amount of higher status. 
And if we have cultures that see each other with the inherent dignity at this higher level of of being of worth, they're less likely to commit offenses against the human person. Those deep violations that you find that that were powered by genocide, that powered genocide, that powered slavery, that powers uh, sex slavery. Um, you know, here in the United States, uh, we have um, human trafficking is just a rampant condition. Um, slavery that's hot hidden behind closed doors. Why? Why is it? Because it's very easily easy to buy someone if you don't see them as human, right? So they're expendable. And if you were to recondition society to believe that we all are of equal value and worth, it's a lot harder to enslave someone if you see them as an equal person, <laughs> you know? So that idea of just retraining generations to believe in that equal line, that inherency is one that builds out all of these offenses, all of these deep hurts, because everybody is basically going, hey, you know, I can't enslave people, I can't hurt people, um, and I should help my brother that's hurting. So the idea is essentially to get down to that foundation, re-educate on that idea, and sort of educate this out of existence, right? So I don't think it'll ever really be out of existence because we're all human. <laughs> We have a propensity to that uh, hurt, right? Um, but yeah, I find it hard. That that, no, it makes perfect sense what you're saying. I just find it hard to translate that into real life because wherever I look, I see people putting themselves above others, and it is sometimes absolutely bizarre what one sees. Uh, when one opens one's eyes, um, for example, um, there is we we I live in New Zealand. We have got depending on where you live between ten and thirty percent Maori, um, so the indigenous people here in our uh, in our country, and there is always this oh the the white guys are racist to the Maori. In all fairness, between you and me and everyone else listening, um, some of the more most racist people I've met were Maori who were mm. looking down upon Indian um, uh, nurses, or in my my case, there was a lady who was really, really sick, Maori lady. And she looked at the, at the Indian intensive care nurse, who was a superb, lovely woman, um, and looked at her, I don't want to be treated by that. And I thought I, I was angry. Because here we are, we're working our best. First of all, we work in, in, in international teams so for crying out loud. You should recognize that. But there was that. So I don't understand it. I don't understand it, how we try to get ourselves better than the other. And it is bizarre. Is that a, is that a, um, is that a, a mental disease? Is that a personality disorder? Yeah. Um, what is that? I know. Well, and I, I think that that's the problem. It's sort of this, you know, we see in the United States too, it's sort of this like jockeying position of uh, the idea that that uh, oppression is a one-way street, right? You know, you see that within your culture, we see it within ours. Um, our history obviously has an impact on the African-American culture that's obviously different than the experiences of the European-based or the native-based. We have all of these different cultures that are sort of at play. And one of our all pitting against each other saying, you know, the only way that you can be racist is this way, which <laughs> the reality is it's, it's we all see it. It's like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and and the concept that, you know, uh, like even the concept of, of slavery, uh, we don't look at it from from all sides. Right. So history has history has shown that slavery is long running and it's on the basis of tribe. It's on the basis of sex. It's on the basis of religious association. It's the basis of race, um, a tribal association. Uh, yeah. Every culture has experienced it because it's always this innate desire to position yourself with pride. Okay. I feel powerless. So I must exert power over someone else based off of this criteria other than, you know, that's, that's okay. I've set this line. I've drawn these lines all mm. over the place. You know, every culture draws these lines. Well, that's the thing. We shouldn't be drawing lines at all mm. because when we draw these lines, we're instilling that idea into our children. Mm. And that's what creates a generational curse of repetition. 
that you saw in that lady, that, that, that racism that, um, you know, is perpetuated by generation to generation. Mm -hmm. And so again, going back um, into time a little bit about my experience is that I did uh, communications on these uh, global human rights cases. So I would fight for, um, we we had an association in Africa that essentially would buy children out of the child bride um, system. So essentially really impoverished families that are selling their daughters and our, our group would come in, they would buy the buy, bride price back and they would put them into school. So what was, what was it ab about that that was to break a cycle, the education part? They brought her in and they said, hey, you are worth more than the price that they put on your head. You will be educated. You will you will be able to be self-sufficient and understand your value is not what they placed on you. It's more than that, right? But that's what they do in that culture. But it wasn't just that culture that did it. So go over to Iran. There's a, um, one of the cases we take on is a man is a part of religious mi religious minority. He's thrown into prison because um, he's a threat to the national security there because he's not a part of the regime's ideal. So we go in, we, you know, raise awareness about this and we force um, a political hand on it and get him released. He said, you are worth more than just <laughs> what this regime says about you and your religious association. You're not lesser than, you are equal to, right? Mm -hmm. Take them out of that situation, you realign them, you are valuable. So much so that's why we came and got you, Right. That I didn't even know the man, you know, we don't know these people, but they're worth it. They're worth making an effort. Mm. And that's why it's important to do this concept of one person at a time is because when you show people that they matter enough, where I'm sure in the situation you were saying where I don't want to be treated by this, this other race, like you're an awful, dirty, filthy person, where what is her response to that situation, right? The, the nurse that's she is part of that solution that slowly over time that that we change it because it's not going to be tomorrow that everybody just miraculously changes their mind. Mm -hmm. But we have to basically instill in everyone one person at a time that you are valuable enough, you're in possession of dignity that is equal to and inherent. There's no lines, there's no buts, there's no ands, there's no nothing. It's just condition of being genetically a human person. And that is foundational too. So the the moment the culture starts drawing those lines is the one the moment we cut them off. Like, look, no, 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 we don't do that. Um, so organizationally, you know, it's very easy for us to support things like, hey, you know, we shouldn't enslave people uh, and put them into the human trafficking range. You know, like. Um, uh, rings, you know, it's it's bad to buy people, right? It's by, bad specifically to buy ladies. Let's just draw that line. In general, it's not good. Um, and most people support that concept and that idea. It's very easy. But when we get into the concepts of abortion, uh, those things are a little bit harder for people to 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 grasp that it's wrong to draw a line at certain points within the womb because if it's not foundational like at the point of the scientific genesis of the human person, then you're allowing lines to be drawn. And so I believe it's really important that we have those discussions foundationally uh, about the human person having inherent value at the point of the scientific genesis of the human person, because essentially you're basically going, hey, you know, that's a line you're drawing, hmm. you know, at a point of development, a human development. And my daughter has disabilities. She actually may never meet any of those developmental cues um, throughout her entire lifetime, but she still has inherent value because she's a human person, you know? So these are a lot of discussions I think need to be had. And, and I love that we're talking um, cross-culturally, cross-global. You know, <laughs> because your experiences are different than my experiences. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had interviews all over the world, you know, India, they have a caste system. That's mm -hmm. a different exactly. experience than, than what I do here in the United States versus what you have too. So mm -hmm. I think it's wonderful to, to have these conversations and just shine a light and different cultural experiences <laughs> mm -hmm. that, um, you know, 
the human experience is, is basically the same, pretty much just kind of how it's played out every day is a little different, right? <laughs> Thank you, Nicole. I mean, this is so beautiful what you're saying there. And I absolutely understand every single aspect uh, that you brought up. And it's so intriguing because you brought so many things up, so many examples. And it is, it's a bit strange because today it's really, we, we are preaching to the choir. We too are mm -hmm. absolutely in the same, in the same boat and we have the same core beliefs. I make a point in treating the janitor and a cleaning lady just as nice or most, most often better than the higher echelons of, of the hierarchy mm -hmm. um, because I actually, yeah, well, just, just because I can, uh, because I do. And that makes me proud. And with that, I've changed the culture within my small bubble, so to speak, where I work. Yeah. And that is beautiful. For that, I'm proud. But the moment I look outside, you have to say that there are so many things wrong. And they're often wrong um, by wrong guidance from the state. So it oh. is, if you look classically back um, and the ways Jews were treated in the Third Reich in, in Nazi Germany, there were 2,200 laws against Jews. So basically, every form of maltreatment or mistreatment was actually legal. So absolutely yeah, everything. Yeah. So the, the good German who obeyed the law, um, well, yeah, they could do whatever they wanted to do with Jews. With Jews. So let's be quite clear about it. Only because it's legal doesn't mean it's right. Yeah, exactly. Only because it's not legal doesn't mean it's wrong. Okay. And yeah. you, I love it, though, that you're saying we need to have those discussions. And from those discussions, I mean, but how do you how do you do that? And I'm, I'm raising now specifically, I'm, I'm challenging you a little bit, because mm -hmm. worldwide, there's the perception that America soon is ending up in a civil war. And I'm not sure how extremist that is, or if we're actually looking, if, if we're seeing that, because if I look at the Black Lives Matters movement two, three years ago, before COVID hit, mm. hang on, that was civil war where I come from. Um, so where are we heading with you? Are you are you building your little bunker at home? Are you stocking up on? on... <laughs> yeah, it's it's been, um, I don't know, like, okay, for, I guess I'll just take a moment to sort of explain what it is like from an American perspective watching this. So you have to understand um, there was a lot of a deep hurt um, that was from all sides that has sort of perpetuated this, but definitely perpetuated and amplified by the media. So much so that I think at actually one point I was like, you know what, I'm cutting, cutting the media off. I just can't, I can't, watch it anymore because it was just this lie that I have many friends from all racial cultural backgrounds that are, live around me in my neighborhoods and nobody is out here rioting against each other mm. but I mean there are in places but the day-to-day -day person wasn't really experiencing this unless they were you know, putting themselves, they're the extremist idea of putting themselves into that limelight, that experience. Um, so I just remember just feeling this deep amount of hurt for, for the people that felt as if they were being marginalized, but also for, for myself and, and for my children, because I never wanted them to feel guilty for the consequence of their birth. You know, in 1920, it was wrong for a black child to feel guilty for the consequence of their birth. He was born black. There's nothing wrong with that. And in 2020, <laughs> it, a white child should not feel equally guilty for the consequence of their birth. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just, I kept thinking this over just praying through it, like, okay, this is going to, it's going to be okay. You know, and, and being nice through it. Right. So this was always really interesting. You know, you go into a grocery store um, we have all racial identities that go into grocery stores. Right. Um, and uh, you know, just, there was this over, uh, overabundance of niceness I could feel now 
they may have just been nice in general. They always like that. But I just felt like there was more niceness that overflowed from people because they were, hey, she's a white person. Maybe she thinks that I don't, don't love that love her, you know, because she's white um, and vice versa. It was just like we did. I did on a day to day basis more experience that than I yeah. did the this I mean of course we do experience those like I go into different parts of town I'm not welcome you know because of my racial identity and they may feel like that the other way around that's that's a present idea it's not like it's not present at all let let me let me make you understand Mm -hmm. but the American experience through that me being just a typical you know middle class lady that's just walking through life um there was a lot of hurt on all sides and just hurt for them wanting them to know how important they were to me and just because they're my fellow american um but also a fellow human human person Hmm. um yeah so i i don't know i i thinking about this idea of like a civil war (laughs) um I don't know. It's it's been a wild ride. I think probably for you guys too. Um, the last two years has been almost three years, which is just absurd mm-hmm. to think that it's been that long. Mm-hmm. Um, has been a lot of ups and downs. Uh, we, my husband's an engineer. He's like, okay, we're gonna start prepping. I'm like, are we a prepper family now? <laughs> He's just like, you never know. You never know. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love to hear that. But let's let's be quite clear. Let's, let's let's be clear about it. I live in New Zealand. Our earth crust is about this thick. Okay, so earthquakes, yeah. volcano, yeah, few cyclones. I mean, we are yeah, yeah. used we are used to that. Okay, your town might be there. It might not be there tomorrow. So we are actually most New Zealanders are preppers, uh, and yeah. that is actually a good thing. So disaster preparedness, guys. Let's yeah. be let's be clear. Let's, um, regardless of your political uh, thinking, it makes sense to have a month or two of food around because you just don't know what kind of disasters strike. So, okay, so let's not dish all the the preppers. So we want you to prep guys out there, but what you're referring to, of (laughs) course, is the the extreme 1% of the prepping community um, who is often then depicted on on television, et cetera, as the nut jobs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, but... (laughs) exactly so prepping yes uh and maybe is your husband right are we two living in a too too nice a world are we putting the blinkers Mm -hmm. on do we wear uh, uh, rose-colored glasses um because we just want to see the world as a nice place are we Mm -hmm. stupid to do so or is it is there still a chance that we bring people together I think that there is. I think uh, the odd thing is, I think in communications, I think there's just an awareness. Maybe I have a little bit more so that there are a lot of people that are pulling strings, right? And they do this very methodically over time, where it's like a little bit of an adjustment to the ideal. A little over time, they mold and manipulate a mind or groups of mind into believing certain things that are totally against what in their core they know is wrong, right? Mm-hmm. So that's actually how the Reich did what they did, right? They 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 took a piece of weakness, a feeling of inadequacy from an entire group of people. And he he manipulated that a little bit at a time for one of the most advanced technological technologically advanced civilizations of all time right Mm. to do heinous things against what was just totally unheard of right to take literal people and a lot of it's why they did it behind closed doors why they burned Mm. and destroyed people behind closed doors because even if they threw that in front of a, a a standard german eye they wouldn't have accepted it, right? Mm. That's that's awful. But they do it over time, they manipulate. And mm. so I think that there's a way, and I wouldn't want to call it manipulation, but it's the same basic principle is to a little bit over time going, you are important, you are valuable, you are not what they say, you, you matter. Um, the things that are in your head and why we have a mental health crisis is that they We've been so inundated with these ideas of what is ideal that when we don't meet up, because we won't Mm. ever meet up to those standards, 
that we're manipulating it in our own mind to say, I'm not important. I'm not valuable. I can do nothing. I am powerless. And so if on the individual level, if we can just click those little dials um, slowly over time, we can realign the the vast majority of a culture into believing that very truth. Um, It's been seen throughout history that as as much as we want to demonize um, uh, that European experience, the the Great Britain, the Brits, they did actually enslave, but they're also the first ones to free. We have more slaves in existence today globally than we ever did during the time of the European uh, slave trade. And yes, they did terrible things, but they also were trying to adjust in a way that is was right from the beginning, from the get-go. Um, the most wealthy and largest slave owner in all time was African. You know, these are things that we just don't talk about, you know, exactly. like <laughs> we just, uh, right, they say whitewash um, oh. history to believe that the, the white man was most evil. And I'm like, nope, nope. he was evil, but all no. of them were like, no. don't, don't, don't like this narrow idea is to say is also damaging, I think, to the idea of dignity that says that I can't possibly be the one in the wrong because of the way I look. I and I can't possibly be right because of the way I look just because I have less melanin on my skin. That means that I am um, more evil just by my nature because of my genetics, what my genetics Absolutely. says about me. So true. And uh, yeah, I think so. I think no, no. You're so right. You're so right. There is my goodness. I mean, we could talk so much about how we marginalize groups and how we all are guilty of that. I'm always astounded by my own prejudices. Um, however hard I work at them, there there will be strange thoughts coming in my mind which i have to keep in check like it or lump it however cosmopolitan i see myself um so there's the one thing there are certain core beliefs that are laid down uh, at very earliest times in our childhood so uh, handed down by generations so to speak and if we are not careful if we are not look at our core beliefs those things that drive us from deep down without us knowing then we will never be able to get out of those things Uh, we need to i think too yeah well on that point i think um a big part too is this just intense desire to avoid suffering Mm. we don't find purpose right and purpose Mm. is service purpose Mm. in life really is about seeing those around us and we feel empty because we don't have a sense of purpose and how we find purpose is through looking around us and saying, Hey, how can I help? What can I can, what can I do? Right. So uh, they say, you know, suffering is refinement, right? So the, the moments in which you're challenged the most is those moments in which you find a deeper sense of purpose. Mm. You know, you don't want to go through it, but on the other side is just mm. this beautiful revelation of what is true and right. Um, because a lot of times it's like, okay, it wasn't just about me, right? So my my daughter was born in distress almost three years ago. And, you know, I understood the value of human life being foundational, but when it's your own child that almost dies, when it's your own child that ends up with disabilities, um, it makes you look at the world just a bit differently because now it's home. I call it giving giving purpose, flesh and blood. She she gave that mission that I had to show people how valuable they are, flesh and blood. When we go out in public, she walks in a walker and I see the way people look at her. They see there's such an intense amount of like, oh, go, go, you can do it, you can do it. She's just this little person, this little tiny walker. Uh, you know, just struggling through like a basic function that we take for granted, right? You know, you can sit your one-year-old down typically and they walk around and and run and you you go out in public and there's tons of little ones like that. But right, when you see a child that that is just fighting for that basic thing, you see that light in that person come to the surface and you go, they get it. They may not fully just 
their day-to-day is not in it, but they get it. They understand that, you know, fight for that. You go, you know, so there's light, there's light, um, in these, these dark moments. And I've seen it through her and my experience with her, like people just come up and they just find so much joy in her. And, um, yeah, that, even that struggle of just being very isolated and a very hard time, like going through that through COVID where nobody could come help um, us through that really hard time. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I wouldn't change a bit of it because I have her, you know, it's a uh, pretty powerful, mm-hmm. a great sense of purpose that was derived from that, those moments of struggle and probably many more throughout her life as we sort of battle through these basic things um, that we all kind of take for granted, I guess. So. <laughs> and you're so right. It is that degree of humility and that, that degree of authenticity that you're actually seeing there in front of you every day. And I think that's a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. And that's where I met whilst I was speaking negatively and quite down uh, over the last half an hour to actually say, well, I've got so many problems. Are we not just living a pipe dream here? I actually don't think so. Otherwise, I wouldn't do this show. Otherwise, I wouldn't go out and bring beautiful people like you on to actually start the discussion, start the communication and see what we can learn from each other. So whilst the world is polarized and whilst we live in societies that are more and more separated from each other, um, you have just nailed it there. I have just nailed it. We are separated. So what's the what's the the solution to that? Let's stop that separation. Let's actually start meeting at the table and figure out what are our commonalities. And it is sometimes so beautiful to just actually come together in a sport in a in a in a common kind of thing that might be a church camaraderie camaraderie some kind of new tribe quotation mark if we were if we were to go um all together into cooking classes i make it up as we go now um <laughs> let's let's create a cooking class for everyone within the block and everyone we take turns and there will be an an indian living there and sri lankan and, and whatever is there yeah. um yeah. so and everyone is teaching all the others their most favorite uh, uh food their most favorite meal don't you think we would all end up laughing and enjoying and having a good time Chances are, yes. Yes, absolutely. So if you work together in in a football team, regardless of which color you are, where you're coming from, et cetera, but you're all passionate because you want to beat the other team and you're beating them. Can you not imagine that you all have got a similar degree of joy that this goal was, was planted? Yeah, those yeah. are the and things. I like that you mentioned that because that's kind of the idea is um, putting yourself into, uh, if you, you know, you, you look back at these wonderful moments within even the civil rights movement, that, yeah. that the teamhood is a lot of what breaks uh, the the bonds of those, those societal teamhoods, right? Mm-hmm. So if we were just to put, like you said, everybody on a team, everybody's on the same team, it's called Team humanity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds a bit like us being tree huggers. So we need to yeah, yeah, we need yeah. to tune it down a little bit. <laughs> but but to see the commonality, right? What exactly. that commonality is, we we have different experiences because of our cultural identities, right? That where what we've lived in and experienced every day, mm. um, that we can have pride on in. Mm. There's also things that we can, hey, that's probably not a good idea because what was not at the forefront was that that we're dealing with people here. We were putting what at the forefront was this cultural truth that was they're lesser than you because of yeah. X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And should yeah. it be? Let's let's uh, I just wrote it uh, the cat amongst the pigeons. Um, imagine um, you are now the president. And you have got pretty good powers. And how would you feel about saying, everyone, I want you all to do a DNA test, an ancestry test. 
So you are so white. Oh, and I hate these oh, Mexicans. <laughs> and I hate these or well, Jews are worst ever. Um, and then you actually look into your own genetic makeup and you say, oops, 10% Jew. Oh, oh where did that come from? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Grandma. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well, actually, that's kind of uh I think there's been, you know, I, I think that that should I like that basic principle, probably not the the forcing part, but <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, actually, I always thought that that was really interesting, this idea of, um, you know, heritage and genetics are totally different, right? So uh, you, you get these DNA uh, back and they have, uh, there's, there's more Great Britain than, than African and some people that look yeah. really African and uh, people that are like, thought that their heritage was Irish and they're predominantly like South American or something. Uh, exactly. I think there's just a beautiful poetic justice in that yeah. in the sense that what makes America really special, I think is that we're a melting pot. And Correct. Yeah. I mean, I, I, in my family, like uh, one half has been here for like a hundred, 200 years, like hundreds of years, but yeah. pretty much before we were a nation, we're here. My mom's side is much more new. They've two or three generations, but you look both and they're very mixed, you know, as far as genetic identity. Yeah. And um, that's what makes us beautiful. And I think that's what's wonderful that we should celebrate. Like mm. I'm I'm from the South. And um, one of the wonderful things about our cuisine is that we're very uh, much open to fusion food. Um, we have no pre pretense about food. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have uh, these Indian uh, restaurants here that do a lot of uh, different types of Indian cuisine fusion with Southern cuisine uh, or uh -huh. Asian uh, cuisines that we fuse with different types of Asian culture cuisines and Southern cuisine. It's really fun, you know, but you go to like San Francisco, you'd never see that or, or you go to New York, like, Ooh, you know, no, I love that. You know, we're supposed to be sort of celebrating every aspect of ourselves and, um, well, exactly. you know, yeah. <laughs> and I see, I mean, I, I went into uh, rehab about eight years ago. And thereafter, I came out of rehab quite an empty shell. And mm -hmm. I thought, okay, so who am I? I'd only worked, worked, yeah. worked, worked, worked and drank to to forget my pain. Uh, and then suddenly, huh, who am I? Who, are, who, who do I want to be? And I like food. So I started uh, with cookbooks and I had a little collection. I thought, well, stuff that. I actually buy myself oh, wow. a cookbook from every single country in the world. And I did. Oh, that's and I did. cool. So I have got cookbook. I've got a whole wall of cookbooks. Uh, it's just quite oh, a pride. That's awesome. Well, exactly. Well, you should and, be proud of that. That's wonderful. <laughs> well, exactly. And talk about inclusiveness. Um, when you then look, just take any of the books out, and you will see yeah. if they're often written with the same passion, with the same, oh, yeah, that you yeah. a little bit of that. And, and, little, and you just realize we all like to eat well. We all like yeah. to dance. If you're into the dancing, exactly. Why, yeah. why don't you look at other dance? Why, if you are into martial arts, why don't you look at the martial arts of a different country? So yeah. suddenly you actually find commonalities. Um, and it is that that makes it so wonderful. If you then want to take yeah. that one step further and say, well, actually, wouldn't that not be nice to... to learn more about something so if you are in a position yeah. that you maybe have money uh and that you maybe want to advance yourself let's say let's stick with um cooking uh you love cooking uh, you're constantly on the cooking channels what stops you booking the next holiday as a cooking school holiday in a complete yeah. different country maybe a country where you which you don't know so well Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe, just maybe, that country where you maybe have a few prejudices about, uh, oh, yeah. maybe on purpose, expose yourself to the reality um, of yeah, that I, country. I, I teach this to my seven-year-old all the time. I said, you know, if I, I was really quiet and introverted as a child. Uh, and so when I got out of high school, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore. So I would, I told, I tell my seven-year-old all the time, 
it's really important to stretch yourself. So I felt social anxiety all these years. I didn't uh, like talking to strangers. So yeah. I would spend the whole first year of my college experience. Uh, if I didn't have someone to sit down with at lunch, I would sit down with a stranger and, and get past the social yeah. anxiety. It says, I, when talking to my daughter, I always say, you know, if you have a feeling of uncomfortableness, if you have a feeling yeah. um, that, that makes you want to sort of cringe into it, you don't, uh, back up from it, lean into it, lean into it and expose yourself to those feelings over and over and over again until you can get through them. Mm. Because it's our version as humans to that, that feeling of suffering or hurt that puts us back, lean into those feelings. And that's how you have personal growth. Mm. Um, Because when hard things happen, which you knew this, you know, your own personal journey was a lot about trying, having to find out that you had to lean into it Mm. and not lean away from it. And that feeling, um, is, is where us as humanity, uh, is, is really struggling. Mm. We don't want to feel, feel that hurt. So we're leaning Mm. away from it back into what we know and what's Mm. comfortable and what's comfortable is what you've been taught, the same cycle of oppression, the same cycle of hurt, the same cycle of struggle and abuse. Um, you know, my organization deals with uh, tra- human trafficking a lot. Uh, a lot of the women that we um, encounter, all the people we work with encounter every day, they have been trafficked their whole life, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of them, or they they tend to lean back into that life because that's all they've ever known it is incredibly difficult to lean forward and come out of something even if you weren't there by your own choice um, because it's really uncomfortable Um, and so I think a lot about just talking foundationally like we are right now about uh, these realities we experience within our cultures globally are really important and it's about leaning into it okay hey I see that this is happening within our culture doesn't that kind of make you feel like we're sort of going back into a pattern of oppression mm-hmm. or, or, you know, bad choices? We're not viewing them as human. Like in the United States, where our ideological spectrum is getting so wide, especially what the media portrays, that we're so much by based on an identity of whom we vote for, mm-hmm. not not our commonalities of, of, of just being people living out life, right? Mm-hmm that we're allowing that division to sort of perpetuate. We're getting into a tribalism mode of you are not an equal person because you believe X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. you know what? I know there's a lot of people out there I don't believe with. I do see you as a human person. Uh-huh. Um, I think you you may believe that you're just very wrong about a lot of positions you have but it doesn't you're you being right or wrong doesn't remove your humanity <laughs> oh, i like that you're very wrong <laughs> you're very wrong about the way you see the world <laughs> and, and that's a beautiful to see there you are yeah. speaking about integrity and then uh, the very you're wrong <laughs> yeah you may be really wrong <laughs> but it is well i we said yeah, if only... you're going out and hurting someone, that yeah. that's like that's really wrong. Oh, yeah. uh, but that, yeah, yes. There's a beautiful saying: "You're right, and at the end of my nose." And I think that is beautiful to say. Um, bottom line is: yes, you have got rights. Yes, you can make yourself heard, but there is a line that you do not cross, i.e., uh, hurt yeah. others in order to bring your point across. Now that's bullshit, and I like yeah. that. <laughs> That we need to actually start with ourselves and need Mm -hmm. to hold ourselves accountable Um, because you can't say, oh, I want a better world, I want a better world, and you treat everyone else like shit. So often enough, we need to start with ourselves. So let's, let's, let's think about what would be maybe three things that you would advise our listeners and our viewers to do today that maybe can set themselves up to experience something beautiful and new? And what are simple steps that we can take in the right direction? Yeah. Well, I would say uh, first reflect. It's really important to know that everybody's journey uh, and experiences are a little bit different. 
Uh, foundationally, they're the same though. So what is it around you that makes you feel most uncomfortable uh, as far as like a personal um, stretch, right? And instead of coming back from that, lean into it, right? So when you go out into your everyday life and you encounter those things that are different, maybe it's a person with disabilities that, Mm. um, you know, you were never really taught to speak to them like they're human, okay? Speak to them like they're human, Mm. Speak to them, even if they're nonverbal, look them in the eyes and talk. How are you today? Are you feeling good? Maybe they never say anything back, but you saw them as a human person. Mm -hmm. You stretched yourself in a way that Mm -hmm. in an experience where you got to see someone else an equal footing that you didn't necessarily do before. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's just not because you were taught to believe a disabled person was lesser, Maybe it's because you never experienced it, right? So sometimes it's just reflection and uh, a day-to-day application as far as like searching. And then look at yourself inward reflection a little bit more about um, how, how you can take that out into the everyday world, right? So I think seeking out purpose is really important for self um, improvement. Mm. Um, you know, you can look at yourself and say, Hey, I'm really valuable, but maybe you need to go and volunteer somewhere and, and maybe you need to adopt a child. Maybe you need to go to a NICU and to hold children that have no parents to, to cuddle them. Mm. You know, they're, they're seek out purpose, um, and that connection outside of your, your normal, everyday environment Mm. because once you find that purpose once you find that way of reaching out in community and impacting other people Mm. you're gonna see your inward light up in a way that you can't imagine because what is it you go every day you go to your Mm. job you come home you do you know just the same old same old thing get outside of yourself a little bit and see how you can can bring purpose into your day-to-day and touch people in a mm. way that is uplifting that's light you mm. know so those are just thoughts that's beautiful for me yeah. that's absolutely beautiful and that all goes down the route of intentional living if you go to a friend and just hang out well that's not really intentional so you let yeah whatever sort of ha- things happen or you could go to the same friend and intentionally say you know what today we're gonna walk to a certain trail somewhere uh, that's just yeah, cool yeah. we can we can actually chat we get outside and uh, those things so suddenly you're yeah. still hanging out with your friend but you're doing something uh with a purpose very intentional and indeed yeah. right so if we do that kind of same thing um maybe more often in our life and make it a habit of doing something with an intention and with a with the intention of making yourself the new and improved version who you always wanted to be maybe this would be a good start so it's we are privileged to to be able to make choices you can yeah. choose to eat healthy or you can choose to eat shit. Uh, you can choose to hydrate or run around like a crisp. You can choose to do some exercise or rather be a couch potato. These are all choices. You make them. You can choose yeah. um, if you accept this world for what it is, polarized and heading towards the cliff. Um, you know, Do you want to be the, the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff? Or do you want to just buy a bystander and say, yeah, okay, 9.2, crash, 9.2, 9.8, crash. No, or actually, do you want to start building a fence up there on the cliff and maybe stand on the cliff and prevent others from crashing and maybe the world from crashing? You have got a power. You can't change the world, but you can change yourself and you can change those people around you by living uh, a life that is worthwhile living and therefore for you to take a leadership role by being authentic and humble and just doing the right things when no one is watching 
you will be amazed how many yeah. people are watching uh, and mm -hmm. how much you become a leader. And suddenly the world around you changes because you have yeah, changed. Absolutely. And that is beautiful. So if we can do that, wow, I, I believe we can change this world. I believe we can make this a, 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 a world that we can actually be proud to live in. And Amen. I, and uh, we meet so, I meet so many people either through my show or yesterday I did a big clinic. Uh, so I met wonderful people and it's just talking about their shoulder operation or their back operation. Um, yeah. I, I always make a point, sort of try to figure out who they are. And I had some, the most amazing people. A woman who walks through a neighboring town and she has built a group of women um, who are picking trash up, trash on the side of the road. And they say, no, we are making this world a better place. One trash can at a time. And they're going out there and they're changing lives by yeah, starting discussions. So you can you can start little micro revolutions uh, in your own yeah. in your own family in your own uh, circle of friends. Uh, and I I like that. I truly, truly yeah. liked that, that thought. Well, that... I think they think, yeah, we were taught that um, the only way to change the world are, are these big grandiose things when yeah. in reality, it was just on the day-to-day, -day, everyday life. Of, exactly. Uh, yeah, that makes <laughs> massive changes. I know. Nicole, you are a wonderful force of nature. I feel the passion within you. I see you you going out there and it's so wonderful. Thank you so much for for the work you're doing. Thank you so much for for being willing to share your passion with me and with my audience here. Um if hey, people welcome. like if people like what you're doing and want to know more about you, where can they find you? Um, go to dignitydefense.org, really easy. Um, we also are on pretty much every social media, Dignity Defense Institute, or look up Nicole M. Y. Smith. Very important. Uh, I married a man common of name, but not of character. So it's really hard <laughs> to find a Nicole Smith. So you never know who you're going to get, but yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then we, I also have my own podcast called Pro Dignity, No Doubt. You can look on, you know, pretty much any uh, place that streams um, podcasts as well. So we mm -hmm. would just uh, love to bring you into the family and uh, change the world one story at a time. <laughs> I love it. Guys, look down there into the description of the YouTube video and of the podcast because all of Nicole's social media details and contact details are down there. And once you're down there, you might as well press the like and subscribe button so that you get informed when we have got new guests coming on, which happens twice a week. Twice a week, I've got, um, I've got the privilege of talking to wonderful people who every single one of them has changed my life by giving me a new new idea or a new insight so i'm constantly growing uh by talking to these people and you can grow just as well uh by listening in so guys we all have the power to change this world let's make this this come true i invite you to come along on the journey nicole you're a wonderful woman thank you so much for coming on to my show yeah thanks for having me absolutely and you guys out there look after yourself and live with passion Bye. I never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Turn around.